Hey, I'm Pastor Jeff Dawes, lead pastor here at Stockbridge Community Church. I just want to say thank you for joining us here online. It is our prayer today that today's message would be helpful and meaningful to your life. If you're in the South Atlanta area, I would personally like to invite you to come to one of our three services on Sunday at 9 a.m., 10.30 a.m., and 12 p.m. We're located at 4401 Highway 155 North in Stockbridge, Georgia. You may visit our website for more information at sccview.net. Again, that's sccview.net. Thanks again for listening. I hope that you have a wonderful day. It is so good to see you today, and, and uh, again, I hope you've had a great week. I just, you know, I prayed for you to have a great week, so I hope my prayers are working. Matter of fact, I prayed for you last night, prayed that God would just do something great for you and in you and through you, and so uh, I, hope that you, I hope you're anticipating good stuff, because I'm sending it all up, all right? So, uh, so God is going to be doing. I just, I just great. It's just great to see you, and uh, glad that you are here today. If you're new here today, my name is Jeff. I'm actually the lead pastor here, and and again, we are so excited that you are here. Uh, we're beginning a brand new series today uh, that is called Act. And before I before I tell you any more about that, one of our pastors here, his birthday is today, is Pastor Chris Woodson. His birthday is today. So when you see him, yeah, just give him a hand. When you see him, just uh, offer a birthday spanking. <laughs> like I said, we're beginning a brand new series today called Acts. And uh, I want to give you a little bit of background on that. Read it, you know, many people don't know this, but uh, when you begin in the New Testament of the Bible, it is called, the first four books of the Bible are called the Gospels, and they're all about a story about Jesus, Okay. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. After Jesus dies on the cross, which we're celebrating Easter. Does anybody know when Easter is, by the way? Does anybody know when it is? When is it? When is it? April 1st. Just want to make sure you knew that, all right? By the way, we're doing five services that weekend. So listen, let me say this. If you're planning a trip out of town with your kids, I know they're out of school the next week, we're asking you to come on Friday night. We're doing that service just for you, all right? Uh, Friday and Saturday, so, uh, so make sure to be here on Easter. But anyways, the book of Acts, so it's all of, after Jesus gets up out of the grave, I mean, we all know, we, we pretty much track the Bible to that point. He gets up out of the grave, and then this is what most people don't know, that Jesus was on the earth after he, after he resurrected from the dead. He was walking around meeting with people like 50 day, up to 50 days after he, raised, he was raised from the dead. It wasn't like, okay, he's raised from the dead. How y'all doing? All right, see you in eternity. No. That's why so many people believed in Jesus. It was because they met him after he got up out of the grave. And, uh, and so when that happened, Jesus did something. We start into the book of Acts, okay? It's called, this book of Acts is called the Acts of the Holy Spirit, the Acts of the Apostles. Because when, when Jesus, like on his, right before he's about to go back to heaven, this is what it looked like. You open up in chapter 1 of the book of Acts, and it says this, that Jesus, his, his disciples are asking, okay, when are you going to set up your kingdom here on earth? And Jesus said this, 
the only the Father knows the day and the hour that I'm going to come back. I don't even know that. So don't worry about when I'm coming back. Just always be ready and always be sharing my message. And so we have a powerful verse in Acts 1 8 that says, you know, I'm, Jesus said, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you shall receive power to be my witnesses. Okay? As he says that, after Jesus concludes that, all of a sudden, this is what happens. I mean, could you imagine standing there? Jesus is standing right there with them, and then all of a sudden, he begins to drift. You ever let go of a balloon, like a, a helium-filled balloon? Anybody ever let go of one of those? Anybody? Okay, there's 10 of us, all right? The rest of you need that experience in your life. <laughs> but you know, as you let go of a helium balloon, how it goes up in the air slowly. You ever seen that? Like, it just goes up. That's the way the Bible said that Jesus ascended to heaven right there. He just went up, and his followers, a lot of followers, were watching in the air. They were staring up in the air, so much so they were gazing that an angel appeared to them and said, hey, listen, don't keep looking up in the air because this same Jesus is going to come back again in like manner. He's going to come back this way again. And so, I, so that's how sort of the, the first chapter of Acts concludes with that happening. And then Jesus had commanded the disciples to go to uh, Jerusalem and stay there a while until they received the Holy Spirit. So 120 of his believers were in what was called the upper room. They were just praying. They didn't know what to do. They were praying. And the Bible says that God sent a wind, like a sound of a rushing mighty wind, come through that upper room and filled those guys with his Spirit. And they began to speak in a language that was unknown to them. The Bible called it tongues. They began to speak in a tongue and what, what was so amazing about that miracle was it was called a Pentecost, the feast that there, it was a feast of the Jews that was happening that week. So all these Jewish people from, from different dialects that spoke different languages had to be in Jerusalem. And they heard the God, they heard the message of Jesus being spoken in their very language that was God was using people that, that did not know their language to speak their language. They, they didn't even know what they were saying. And they were sharing the message of God with them. It was, a, it was a miracle. It was a phenomenon. It was the outpouring of God's Spirit. From that day forward, the Holy Spirit of God has made His dwelling within people like you and I. So Jesus basically said, I'm leaving, but I'm going to send my Spirit. And that's what today you have the privilege to know. You have the privilege of knowing God's Spirit in your life. You can be filled with God's Spirit. And so today I want to talk to you about this. So after that, after that incident happened, uh, we begin to see something amazing, people being filled with God's Spirit, and, and I want you to be filled with it. And you've got to know what it is first. You're like, okay, what does it mean to be filled with God's Spirit? What does it mean? I don't know what you've heard, but here's a definition that we have. Coming up on the screen, matter of fact, how to, be, how to live a Spirit-filled life. Here's the definition of being filled with God's Spirit. Look at it with me. Let's read it together. You ready? Come on. Let's read being filled with God's Spirit means having God's presence, power, and influence in my life. Having God's presence, God's power, and God's influence in my life. That's what it means to be filled with the Spirit. Now, before I go on, uh, I want to show you, I've got a lot of stuff up here today. And today I have this bottle of uh, vitamin water. This, wa this uh, water is in a container. Would you agree with, agree with that, that this is a container? Here you see the bottle. Are we in agreement with that? It is full of what you believe, what it says on the label here, vitamin water. Okay, it says that, all right? So 
So I believe that's what it is too. I haven't tasted it. I don't know. But it says vitamin water, so it's full of vitamin water. Now, what, the reason I have this here is because the Bible says that your body is a container. You are contained of something, you know. And you're full of something. I've been told that before. <laughs> you nasty-minded people. That's all I got to say. I've been told I'm... Never mind, but anyways. So you're full of it, all right? And here's what I want to show you. Like, this bottle is full of vitamin water. We're in agreement. So you can be full of pride. You can be full of jealousy. You can be full of bitterness. You can be full of anger. Or you can be full of God. But here's what I want you to know. Whenever you can, whatever you're full of, when you hit difficulties in your life, you hit a bump in the road, something's going to happen. What's happening? What's happening? It's spilling out, right? So what I want to tell you is that whatever you're full of, when you have those difficulties, it's going to come out. If you're full of cuss, when you hit those difficulties, it's coming out, right? Oh, nobody's saying nothing right now. Nothing. Oh, it's, it's too late. I already know you. Okay? Whatever you're full of is going to come out. And that's what you have to understand is that that's why it's important to be full of God's Spirit. If you're full of lust, lust's going to come out. If you're full of pride, it's going to come out. So the Bible says, don't be drunk with wine in excess, with alcohol in excess wine, because more of your bad stuff will come out. But he said, be filled with the Spirit, okay? And so today I want to talk as we dive in there. Look at Acts chapter 2 with me, verse 38. Look what it says here. Because these people are asking, how can we have this Spirit that you have, the Spirit of Christ? And Peter replies this. He says, repent and be what? Be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of what? Of the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit. You need to be full of Him. That way that when you're bumped, that's what comes out of you instead of the old you. And so today as we look at this, I want to give you the first fill-in and the first word that I'm going to give you is how to live a spirit-filled life is this word, repent. Repent of your sins. Now, that is a word that you hear in church a lot. So if you're not familiar with church uh, or, or, or Christianity, or you may not know what that word repent, that may have never heard that word, or maybe you've heard that word with someone standing on the street corner screaming at you saying, Repent, you sinner! You lie, you fry, you smoke, you choke, you dip, you trip. <laughs> oh, yeah, I don't know. It's just here you get that kind of stuff. You know, I don't know. But I'm just saying they're accusing you of a lot of things by just pointing and saying, repent, repent, repent. And so the, many times we can have this image of repentance as being a, a mean-spirited, like, I'm going to get you kind of thing. God's going to get you. And that's not what it means at all. Actually, repentance is one of the most beautiful words in the English language. Repent. You know why? Here's why. Because what repent means is, it means turn and go another direction. So in other words, if you're walking this way and think bad, you're doing bad and bad, because of that, bad things are happening, you can repent and you can do about faith and you can start walking back toward God and then all of a sudden you start expecting good things to begin to happen, Right? So you can, it's like turning over a new leaf. It's like something new happened in your life. You can stop that and say, God, I'm sorry, and turn around and go this way. 
And so it's a beautiful word. It means a new start, a new life. And so look, another word the Bible uses for repent is the word confess. So look what it says in 1 John. 1 John 1 and 9, it says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and purify us from all what? Unrighteousness. Because unrighteousness hurts you. Here's what I want to tell you. Watch this now. I want to be honest with you. Anytime that I'm unwilling to call something that I'm doing that's against God, anytime I'm unwilling to say this is a sin in my life, when I'm unwilling to admit it's a sin, when I know that it isn't, but I'm unwilling to admit it, anytime that I do that, I get stuck in life. I get stuck. I cannot get better until I am willing to admit that I have wronged God or I've wronged someone else. You can't, God can never help you with any issue in your life until you're willing to admit it that you've got a problem with it. And so we have to do that. We have to call sin, sin. We have to admit that in our life. Now look at the next verse with me, Proverbs 28 and 13. It says this. You will never succeed in life if you try to what? Hide your sin. You know what that means? You're stuck. You're stuck like Chuck. You're stuck. If you, if you hide it and you cover it up and, and, and you, know, you don't admit it, you don't want to admit that you have any issues and you don't want to admit it before God, then, then listen, you, the Bible says you're stuck. But he goes on to say this, look. He says this. Let's read what's underlined together. You ready? Come on. Confess them and... Confess them giving up. Then God will show mercy to you. Listen. You can ask God to help you with everything in your life, but until you're willing to give it up, He can't help you. You guys say, God, I know this is a struggle, and I'm, I'm struggling here, but I need you to help me. I want to give this up. It's got a grip on me, God, but I want to give it up. The first step in giving up control of your life is what we call becoming a Christ follower. It's the first step of doing that. And so... I want to challenge you today, if you're here today, the challenge I want to give you right now is to give your life to Jesus Christ. And the way you do that is say, God, I'm sorry for my sins. I, I've been wrong. I, I, I've, I've done wrong things and I need you to forgive me. And if you say that and you mean it, God, God hears you. And guess what? You're, you're doing an about face and you're turning toward him and then he can help you. You're admitting it. And we have a prayer inside of our program. It's called the prayer to become a Christ follower that you can pray. And the only thing we ask you to do is that when you do it, because many do it every week and some will do it today, some of you are going to do it today and here, is that you check it on the back of this connection card. Said, I pray the prayer to become a Christ follower so we can pray with you. Okay, number two, how to live a spirit-filled life. Number two is this, is yield to God. Yield to God. When we yield to someone... That means that we give them right of way, right? I don't know about you, but I remember taking this, this test, the driving test that I had to take, I had to, and I had to memorize what the yield sign meant, okay? The yield sign, like if you're in traffic and you have the yield sign, that means that, that you've got to slow down and sometimes you've got to come to a stop because if there's other traffic coming that way and you pull out and you cause the accident, then your insurance is going to get jacked up, Right? Okay, I don't even think about the cost of the accident. I think about the next 20 years, I've got to pay for that. But you've got to yield. So the yield sign means that, okay, you have to stop and let somebody else have the right of way. You have to do that. 
And so anytime with God, if you're going to be filled with God's Spirit, you have to learn that you have to yield your life to God. That's the first thing. And look, again, going back to this verse again, look what Peter says again. He says, repent and be what? Be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. Now, why do you say be baptized? Because baptism is the first step of yielding. When you say, okay, God, I'm going to go get, I'm going to be dipped underwater publicly, what that is saying is that I'm, I'm doing what you said to do. I may not want to stand in front of the people. I might not want to get wet. I might got to wear a hairnet or something. But I'm going to be willing to do whatever you say to do. And so that's yielding. And that's why that when you come up out of that water, you're different because you took a step toward God. Some of you in this room, you need to be baptized. And Listen, you can check it on our connection card. We'd love to help you be obedient to God in that way. So please do that. Now let's look at the definition of yielding to God. Look what, This is the definition I've come up with, so let's look at it together. Look what it says. Let's read it together. You ready? Come on. Yielding to God is saying no to what I think is right and yes to what God says is right. Did you hear that? No to what I think, what I think, what I think ought to be right, because sometimes, you know, my thinking of what is right is circumstantial, right? I mean, like for you to, if I do something wrong against you, I don't think it's right for you to walk up and slap me. I don't think that's right at all. But if you did something wrong to me, I might think about it. Oh, oh wait a minute, you got self-righteous right there a minute, didn't you? In other words, if you do, if I if if I do something wrong to you, I don't think you should retaliate. I think I should be able to say, "Oh man, I'm sorry, I'm sorry about that." But if you do something wrong to me, then I'm thinking about, okay, maybe I ought to stick them too. Do you have those kind of thoughts? Nobody in this room has those thoughts. God forgive every one of them right now, Lord. <laughs> so I'm saying we have those kind of human thoughts, right? And so we have to learn that we have to yield. Now look what the Bible says. All right. James 4 and 8, the message paraphrase. I love what it says here. Let's read what's on the line. You ready? Come on. Say a quiet yes to God. Look what happened. And he'll be there in no time. Let's read what's on the line. You ready? Come on. Quit dabbling in sin. There's the message. If you're going to be filled with God's Spirit, you've got to quit dabbling in sin. You don't need me to name it. The Holy Spirit right now is already naming it with you. Quit dabbling in sin. Purify your inner life and quit playing the field. Now, for those of you that are under 20 today, instead of saying quit dabbling in sin, he's probably saying quit dabbing in sin. Okay. Some of you are going to have to Google what I just did, but... All right. Yeah, I had no clue either until somebody told me about that, but... So what I want to share with you is this. Here, i got an example for you being filled with the Spirit. I have a sponge right here. It's dry and crusty. It smells okay. <laughs> but this is you and me. This is us without God right here. This is it. We're dry and crusty. Something's missing. But when we get filled with the Spirit, what we do is we say, God, come into my life and save me. And Lord, fill me with your spirit. And when we do that, it's like submerging ourselves into this water with a sponge. Right now, this sponge, I could roll it around here, but when I look, it's still, it doesn't matter what happens to it in this water, it's, it's still filled, it's full, it's full of God's spirit. Right now, the water is like God's spirit. 
But what happens to us is we pray that prayer, God, fill me with your spirit, come into my life. But you know what? We say, okay, God, have me, but God, you cannot have my finances. I'm going to hold on to them. God, you cannot have this relationship that I'm in. I, I'm going to hold on to it. Lord, I, I'm, I got to hold on to my children, God. I got to squeeze them. And every time, whatever you try to hold on to that you refuse to let God, let God have in your life, you are squeezing the Spirit of God out of your life. And we walk around all dry in God. It's hard to let go, isn't it? But to be filled with the Spirit, we have to learn to let go and let God and be submerged in it. You know, I experienced this hard thing to let go of a, a couple years ago. My family went on a family vacation up to uh, Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. And if you have never been up there, they have a strip up there. They have all these kind of go-karts and all these kind of little rides and stuff. And my daughter uh, probably was about 13 or 14 at that time, and she's a little daredevil. And we were driving by, you know, we didn't rode the go-karts and stuff. We didn't know, I'm feeling all manly, you know, because I, I beat her, you know. You know, that's right, I beat my little girl, you know. It's like, hey, yeah, you can't keep up with Dad, can you? He still got it. That's right, he's cool, he's cool. He's not a fool, he's cool. Okay. So I'm trying to do these things to my kids to show them that I'm still not an old fogey, that I'm cool. So we go driving by, and we see this um, bungee jumping. Yes, oh Lord, yes, you're right, that's right. <laughs> and we, we look at this tower, and it's, it's 70 to 100 feet high. She said, let's go bungee jump, Dad. I'm like, let's do it. I'm not old, and I'm not scared. So I just know that she's going to back out. So we go, I go buy the tickets. I think I pay 30 bucks or so, and we go start climbing up the ladder, and I'm thinking I'm going to waste 30 bucks, but it'll be worth it to me to show her that I'm, I'm uh, bigger than she is, that I'm more brave than she is. And so we start climbing up the stairs, and I say, oh, it's getting pretty high. And then Caitlin, she's like, yeah, it is. And she keeps climbing. And I said, oh, we get, on, get all the way, uh, three-quarters of the way up. So I'm looking down, I was like, it's really high up here. And then Caitlin, yes, it is. And she keeps climbing. She climbs all the way to the top, and she, we, we're harnessed up, and she, she's starting to walk out. I said, boy, it's really high up here in the cave. Yes, it is. And she, she, the lady clips a bungee cord on her, says, okay, wrap your arms around this. And I'm telling you, she wrapped her arms around it, and that girl jumped. <laughs> so I, I'm, listen, talking about holding on now, I'm like, I'm up there, we're 100 feet high. Listen, when you're standing on the ground, 100 feet's not that high. When you're standing 100 feet up looking down, that's a long way. And so I, 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 go, I, I go up there and I'm clipped in, I got the bungee cord on me and I'm holding on and I'm standing there and I'm looking down at that big mat and I'm looking at this little old bungee cord I got in my hand and the girl says, one, two, three. One, two, three. One, two, three. She stops and says, uh, sir, you do understand on three, you're supposed to jump, right? <laughs> My father-in-law standing on the ground saying, you sissy! <laughs> hey, gee, Louise. So I wanted you to know that I did it. Reluctantly held on and trusted that cord. But I want to tell you something. Until I trusted that cord, I could not experience that in my life. And so now I'm about to turn 50. I know I don't look it. <laughs> and I'm going to jump out of a plane. 
So who's going with me? That's all I got to ask. <laughs> who's going with me? All right, yes, volunteers. But I'm just saying I have to learn to trust. And here's my question to you, okay? Watch this. What are you holding on to that's squeezing the Spirit of God out of you? What is it? Because until you let go of that, you will never walk fully, and you will never know the fullness of walking in His Spirit. And that's what you need in your life more than either. Because remember, whatever you're full of is going to come out of you. And so if you're tired of all the bad stuff coming out of you, you've got to get full of His Spirit. And let go of that stuff and let God. We have growth track, and that's what it's all about, helping you do that. And listen, today's step one. So at 12 o'clock, if you'd like to be a part of growth track, check your kids out, then they'll let you check them back into another place that they can go to, and there'll be someone right out the kids' area over here, the kids' checking area, with a sign saying, follow me to growth track. I'd love to meet you there at 12 o'clock. Okay. The next one is this. Number three is this, is how to live a spirit-filled life, and that is trust God. Trust God. Those words are very easy to write, aren't they? Trust God. Oh, yeah, yeah, trust God. But it's so hard to do. Look what the Bible says. Romans 5 and 13, or 15 and 13, it says this, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. Let's read what's online. You ready? Come on. As you trust in Him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of what? That's why you've got to be filled with the Spirit. Because if you, don't, if you don't put your trust in Him, you can never be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. You can never be filled. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is not a one-time shot. It depends on your background. You, you may think that it is, and I want to tell you it's not. I take nothing away from the spiritual gifts. I believe in spiritual gifts. I believe in them all. But watch this. It's not a one-time thing. Being filled with the Spirit is sort of like breathing. You know, this morning when you got up, you didn't go... Uh, okay, this is going to last me all day. Uh, oh, I'm going to die. No. Do you know that you take, you, the, on the average day, you will, you will take 21,600 breaths? You know, on an average day? Okay, you don't believe me? Count them tomorrow. <laughs> but the, being filled with the Spirit is sort of like that, is that every day you have to say, God... Fill me with your Holy Spirit, Lord. Fill me with your presence. Fill me with your power. Fill me with your influence. And, and every several times throughout the day, you got to say, God, fill me with your presence. Fill me with your power. Fill me with your influence. Why? Because if you don't ask God to fill you with His Spirit, you're going to be filled with something else. And when you fill with something else, it comes out. And when it comes out, it's ugly. And it hurts you and it harms other people. So you and I need to be filled with the goodness of God. We need to be filled with the goodness of God. I want to challenge you. Listen, I want to challenge you. One of the ways is reading God's Word. And so this month, on the back of your connection card, I'm asking you to read the book of Acts with me. It's all about God's Spirit working in the lives of His people. And just check it on the back of your connection card. Okay, now here's the ask. How do you know that when you're... How do you know you're filled with the Spirit? That's the question that I get. How do you know that you're filled with God's Spirit? Well, one of the ways that we know that we are filled with God's Spirit is this, is that the Bible tells us it is this in Galatians 5.22. This is the way that you know that you are submerged in God's Spirit. Right? Look at what it says. Let's read what's underlined out loud. You ready? Come on. The fruit of the Spirit is. In other words, this is what's going to happen when you're filled with the Spirit. It's the only place that tells us this, this is what's going to happen. 
He says that when the fruit of the Spirit is, let's read them together. You ready? Come on. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, do you need any of that? It only comes from God's Spirit. It does not come any other source. Listen, there is nothing else that you can do. A million dollars will not get you that. It won't get you that. Only being filled with God's Spirit. Now, how do I feel when I'm filled with God's Spirit? Because that's the thing, because some people think that, you know, that you, you should feel powerful. They think that when you've got a lot of God's Spirit in you, that you should be, if the car in front of you is blocking, is slowing you down, you should be able to say, in the name of Jesus, move out of my way, car, and, and boom. Now, I want that. Because when I go down 75, I'd have my way. But it doesn't work like that. God's power is not magical power. It's not, uh, it's not like you see on television. It's not cartoon power. The power that God wants you to have more than any other power in your life is the power of influence. Because, listen, watch this. The people that are influential in this world are the most powerful people in the world. And God wants to make you a person of influence. So he wants to empower you. And listen... The way he empowers you is that when you quit being full of the old stuff and you're full of him and you get bumped and he comes out. Not the old person. The old person cuts you out, but not the new person. You're going, well, you know what? Let's just think about that a little bit differently. And then the people around you are shocked because they're used to hearing filth and, and all this other stuff coming out of you. But now you say, well, let's just think a bit about this. And I think God can help us here. When you start talking like that, like, whoa, what do you, what do you own? What do you want? So let me just say this to you about this influence thing. You can impress people from a distance, but you only influence them up close. You get that? You ever met somebody that you saw from a distance, you thought they were great, you're like, man, that is a great person. Some of you think that about me. You know, Jeff's a pretty good guy. You talk to Rhonda. One lady came up and said, oh, Rhonda, she said, it, it must be, oh, so wonderful to be married to Jeff a long time. She said, oh, you're so lucky. She said, live with him. <laughs> Warts and all, you know what I'm saying? We all have our flaws, right? What I'm trying to tell you today is this, is that we got to ask God's power to move in our lives. You know what I've discovered this? I've discovered this verse that helps me to understand that it's not in my power that God moves the most, it's in my weakness. Look what it says. This guy, the Apostle Paul, who wrote the, who wrote the majority of the New Testament, look what he says. He says, three different times I begged who? The Lord. I begged the Lord to take it away. In other words, he had these elements. God used this man to write uh, the majority of the New Testament, to pray for people that got healed, to do all kinds of amazing things you read about in Acts. But yet he had his own situation that God wasn't helping him with. And so he says, each time, I, each time, he said, I beg the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, talking about the Lord, the Lord said this, my grace is all you need. Let's read what's underlined. You ready? This is what God said as well. Let's read it. You ready? My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my what? So that the power of Christ can what? Work through me. Here's what I want to tell you. Many people never discover 
They never discover what God can do in their lives. And the reason being is they're waiting on a feeling before they act. They were saying, you know, when I feel like God is, is really moving in me and God's Spirit's really bold in me and I, I feel powerful, then I'm going to share my faith with my neighbor. When, when, I feel, when I feel God's strong really in me, then, then I'm going to get my wife and I to go to counseling. And then when I feel that, when I feel God strong, when I, when I feel strong, when I feel strong, then walking down the corridors of my school, I know I should pray for someone. I know they need my prayer. But, but when I feel God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask them, can I pray for them? When, when I feel it, you see, when I feel it, when I feel God, then I'm going to do what God says to do. But listen, that's not what the Bible says, that in your weakness, in my weakness, then I am what? Why? Because we have to act. Remember we said 2018 is our time to act. Remember that? And listen, you will never, ever get better. You will never change until you, if you keep waiting on a feeling, if you wait to feel like it, or if you wait to be powerful to, to do it. No, God says when you act in your weakness, when you move ahead in your weakness, then I show up and then I'll make you strong. Listen, listen, listen. When our church began years ago, Years ago, we were 75 people, and I prayed, God, God, show me this vision of what he wanted to do. And I said, God, listen, I'm not smart enough. God, I don't have the wisdom to do that, Lord. You got the wrong man because I don't have the goods. And God said, no, no, no. That's why I called you because you can't do it. You're smart, not, not smart enough. And you can't get the credit for it because you're weak and I'm strong. But if you take the step, Jeff, I'll show up and I'll do great and mighty things. And here we are today. We're expanding our building. Why? Because we're making more room for more. Why? Because God has taught us that if we will act on giving people an opportunity for a better life that he'll make sure that people show up to get it. Amen? Listen, you, you are not, not going to sit here week after week and your life get worse. No! I have prayed too many prayers for you. There's too much good stuff happening for you. We are not going to let your life get worse. Jesus Christ is going to make your life better. The Holy Spirit's going to come in. He's going to move in you. You, you are not. You are not going to sit in Stockbridge Community and your marriage get worse. You're not going to do Either you're going to run out of here or you're going to run to God and you're going to get better. In Jesus' name, today is our time to act. It's our time to move. It's our time. It's our time. It's your time. It's your time. It's your time. Listen, today I'm telling you in the name of Jesus, it's your time by the Holy Spirit's power to move. It's time for you to go get counseling. It's time for you to act now on praying for that unchurched person. It's time for you right now. It's time for you to start exercising. It's time for you to start the diet. It's time for you to go. It's time for you to move right now. Listen, it's time for you to move. It's time for you to move. It's time for you to give the money. It's time for you to move in your marriage. It's time for you. It's time for you to call that lost person, that loved one that you ain't talked to in 15 years because you got mad about something 15 years ago. It's time for you to move. It's time for you to move. It's time to act now. Don't sit there anymore. Today is the day. Today is the day that you decide to move. Come on, stand with me now. Hallelujah. Moving.
Today's the day of action, baby. Today, in the name of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit of God is here. I want him to fill you. I prayed for you. Today is the day you receive it. Right now, whether you feel or not, you make up your mind, I'm going to move. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, we declare it. We believe it, oh Lord, that we are going to get better and we're going to take that step this week. Right now, Lord, we're going to move and move now. We're going to move and we're going to move now. We're going to move in the name of Jesus in the direction you want us to go right now. Hi, this is Pastor Jeff again. I just want to say I hope you enjoyed today's message. If you would like to support God's work through Stockbridge Community Church, simply go to our website at secview.net. Again, that's secview.net and click the Give tab. We want to thank you again for being with us today. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.